Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 268 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by... One of my one of my best friends in this entire universe, the former heavyweight world title challenger, is of course Mr. Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing, my man? I'm good, my brother. How are you? All good, my friend. All good when speaking with you. Um, like we always uh, we always kind of do at the start of the show. I'm gonna uh, just tell you how the show is going to work. It's going to be the review part, then the news, then the sole guest, then the preview part, and then that pretty much sees out the show. There's going to be no lockdown, knockdown again, I'm afraid to say, because, um, you know, everything's just been a little bit scrambled at the last minute, um, to record this week. Eddie's been busy when I've been free. Eddie's Eddie's been free when I've been busy. It's kind of been a bit last minute. So we're going to get everything done. But again, unfortunately, for those people that do enjoy the lockdown, knockdown, which, um, which by the way, BT Sport over here, the big channel in the UK that put boxing on, that Tyson Fury fights on, and other big stars, they've decided to launch their own kind of, I'm not sure what it is, some sort of spin-off. And it's called the Lockdown Knockdown, which um, someone pointed out to me. They're stealing it from us. We we should have trademarked it. The uh, the cheeky damn sure should have. We should have, we should have jumped right on that one. Yeah, the, the <laughs> cheeky rascals. But anyway, getting on to the review part of the show. We're going to start here in France at the H Arena last Friday, November twenty seventh. It's it's unbelievable that we're already in December. This year has just flown by. Um, yeah, at the H Arena, heavyweight fight between Tony Yoka, the Olympic gold medalist, now 9-0, and a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Christian Hammer, who's now 25-7. and um, He won absolutely every round, and I think Hammer had a point deducted as well, because all three judges handed in identical scorecards, 100-89. to um, A lot of people didn't see it like that, though. A lot of people thought that Hammer actually, you know... Uh, provided quite a stern test for Tony Yoka. I wasn't silly enough to sit and watch that. So, um, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you too much about that one. Moving out now to Mexico, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. boxed over here. Um, just unsure of where he's at in his career, to be honest with you. But anyway, he was back with a win. He's now 52-5 and five with a draw. A TKO for him in round four against Jason Minder, who's now 14-3 and three with a draw. Minder was down uh, in the second round, the third round, and then finally in the fourth round where he was TKO'd. Moving out now to the City Hall ground. And this is a sad one. It took place in Thailand. Um, I used to call him... The real Floyd Mayweather. Chayafon Moonsri, of course, I'm talking about. Well, I think now he is Floyd Fakeweather because he's now 54-1 and 
Um, he lost a unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Panya Pradabsri, who is now um, 35-1. and one. He was a good fighter, to be honest. He was probably the best fighter that Moon Sri has boxed for quite a long time. It was for Moon Sri's WBC minimum weight world title. He's now been dethroned. Um, according to sources, he was... Um, Possibly a bit unlucky, because it was quite controversial, I think, on the cards. It was a very close fight. Could have gone either way, from what I've read. And, um, yeah, perhaps he was hard done by it, but it's just crazy. He was going to be 55-0. and 0. He retired, I think, earlier this year. He came back for whatever reason. I think he had a retirement that lasted about three days. And now I wish he'd stayed retired. I'm sure he wished uh, he, he, he'd stayed retired as well. But anyways, he's lost his O. That now means that Mayweather has... Uh, you know, he's he's in a league of his own in terms of undefeated streaks with his 50-0. and 0. Moving out now to the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida, USA. Not sure if you saw any of this, Eddie, but Daniel Jacobs, Gabe Rosado, did you see any of it? I missed it, but I wanted to see it. Okay. And honestly, I wasn't paying attention and, and, and forgot that he was even on. Okay. And that was, it was on Saturday? That was Friday night. Oh, Friday night, okay. okay. Anyway, it is... Well, it was the worst fight I think I've possibly ever seen in my entire life. Wow, really? It was absolutely terrible, okay? Um, Daniel Jacobs, now 37-3, and three, a split decision win over 12 rounds to Gabriel Rosado, who's now 25-13 and 13 with a draw. Shocking, to be completely honest. Um, it was the worst fight for many many reasons one of the reasons is that it was it was very much like a sparring session there was absolutely no atmosphere daniel jacobs was so not on his a game he was so not on the ball that his corner man actually said to him have you bet on yourself to 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 stop him late or something you're not doing anything in these rounds gabe rosado turned up and I can't believe it. What happened to Gabe Rosado? It wasn't a brawl. It was a boxing match. Gabe Rosado opted to box. He had Freddie Roach in his corner. He seemed like a different fighter. Um, not saying he was a great fighter, but Daniel Jacobs was so poor. I wasn't scoring the fight, but I felt that Rosado probably did enough to win uh, from what I could see. And a lot of people are in agreement. And the craziest thing ever is we were... Well, mainly me. I was slating him last week, saying he needs to retire, blah, blah, blah. I thought he won the fight, mm-hmm. so did many others. And this is absolutely terrible. They had the pair in the ring. The MC picked up the the, the microphone. He reads out, you know, one guy scores it for, 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 for Rosado. One guy scores it for Jacobs. And, you know, the other judge scores it 115-113, whatever the hell the, the scorecard was. And he says, to to your winner from... From Philadelphia, Brooklyn, New York. So Rosado's already already celebrating when he hears Philadelphia. And it turns out that the MC completely messed it up and actually Jacobs won. So Jacobs, when he when he heard Philadelphia, was starting to kind of, you know, his head was down at the ground. And all of a sudden, Gabe Rosado's up on the ring post celebrating. You know, he can't believe that he's got the decision. Well, he could believe it because he thought he won. And, um... It's just a bizarre, bizarre mistake. And that ended up being the talking point of the fight. Eddie, I wish I was you because I wish I could get that time back. Don't dare watch the fight. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. Um, yeah, I think Rosado should have won. Uh, 
on that, I don't feel like I want to see either of them again, to be honest with you. Um, Rosado had never really been in a boring fight his entire career, which was which was just crazy because, you know, this was terrible compared to his usual standards. And Jacobs was terrible, and it just looked like a sparring session of two guys who had done maybe 50 rounds prior to getting in the ring. It was, it was terrible. It had just one pace throughout. Um... People were saying on Twitter, you know, if if there were fans there, they'd be booing. They they half of them would have left. I mean, it was it was dreadful. I cannot stamp on it any more than than what I'm saying here. This was the worst of the worst. I never want to see it again. Like honestly, really? it would be punishment. If you Damn. tied me to a chair and made me watch that, I'd tell you all the information I know. It was dreadful. Um, Jeez. Yeah, that's that's how passionate I am on it. I mean, oh, it was it was terrible. Um, anyway, on the undercard, there was one good fight between the Olympic gold medalist Daniel Yelusinov. He's now 10-0. and A brilliant win for him. A TKO in two rounds against Julius Indongo, now 23-3, and the former unified world champion. Um, it's kind of sad to see. He's just seemed to, um, you know, come down the slide, I guess, really fast. It was for the vacant IBF Intercontinental Welterweight title. Uh, they're talking about Daniel Yelusinov against Virgil Ortiz. I'd love to see that fight. But, um, yeah, Yelusinov, you know, he looked good. To stop a guy like that in two rounds, it's impressive. I don't think uh, Prograde did it in two. I think maybe Prograde did, did take him out in two, actually. I think Crawford maybe got him out there in three or four. So, you know, that's as good as, as anyone's beaten in Dongo. And for it to only be Yelusinov's 10th fight, very impressive. He seems to be getting better all the time, um, you know, in the pro ranks. He's improving a lot. Um, moving out now to the Church House in Westminster, London, United Kingdom. Brilliant venue, by the way. Let's start with the undercard here. Uh, a good win for David Adelaide. He picked up the TKO in two rounds against Danny Whittaker. Adelaide now 4-0. and uh, Whittaker now 4-2. and Also on that card, we got to see Jack Macy move to 17-1. and A points win for him over eight rounds against Mohamed Farid, who's now 16-2 and with a draw. Jack Catterall, obviously waiting on that call-up for the mandatory for um, Jose Ramirez. I think he's accepted some sort of step-aside money. He had a bit of a keep-busy fight, really. His career has been so stagnated, man. It's, it's just stop-start all the time. He hasn't had the breaks, and then when he got in position to, to get a big fight, he's taken step-aside money. It's like, I don't know, man. His career is really uh, stalled. Um, anyway, he came back with a win, a points win, over 10 rounds against Abdazarak Huya. Um, who's now 14-3. and three. To be honest, Catterall should have got his man out of there. And I think Catterall was... Um, I think he was he got cut in the fight. I'm pretty sure he got cut, if I remember correctly. Hoyer was down in the sixth round and once in the ninth round, but he did end up going the distance. Hamza Shiraz picked up a win. He's now 12-0. and 0, um, A defense of his WBO European Super Welterweight title against Guido Pito, who's now 26-8 and 8 with two draws. A TKO came for Shiraz in the 10th and final round um, after the fight. Carl Frampton went on to say that he thinks he is the... Um, the, the best prospect in Britain, which is a very, very, very big statement, actually. Um, he's good, Hamza Shiraz, for sure, but I don't think it was the right performance to say that afterwards, you know. He's had more impressive fights, way more impressive fights, actually. 
Um, it wasn't the most exciting of, of his recent outings, that's for sure. And moving up to the main event, Daniel Dubois, 15-0, and against Joe Joyce, 11-0. and uh, Both men, obviously, undefeated. Uh, five titles on the line, I think it was in the end. I can't even remember which ones now. It was the British heavyweight title, the Commonwealth title, the vacant EBU European title. I believe the WBC silver was on the line, and I think maybe even one other, one other title, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway. Both men had only gone the distance once in their respective careers, and um, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Some people saying it didn't live up to the hype. It was one of those fights where I was kind of on the edge of my seat for the entire thing, so I really thoroughly enjoyed it just because... I felt that, um, you know, Dubois has got the, the power to just end a fight within one second. You know, it takes one shot from him. Uh, we've seen it more times than not. Uh, only one guy to go the distance with him. So I was really excited and I enjoyed the fight, man. I really did. Um, I'm going to go through the rounds. Obviously, it ended with Joyce winning by uh, by by KO in round 10. Um yeah, going through the rounds. Round one, for me, a Joe Joyce round. Surprisingly, I felt... Uh, anyway, I was quite surprised that he was on the front foot with, with good pressure. You know, he was pushing Daniel Dubois back. Daniel's head movement straight away was starting to tell. He had none of it. Absolutely none. Uh, he was getting nailed with, with the jab. Um, his nose seemed to be on the TV anyway, reddening up already in that first round. Joyce's jabs to the body were working nice as well. I like to see that from big guys. Um, round two, Dubois, for me, won that round. He was on the front foot. He caught Joe Joyce multiple times with straight right hands. Uh, Joyce seemed to be a little bit out of his rhythm that he had in the first round. It was a bit untidy. Um, yeah, round three, a good start to the round for Dubois, a good finish for Joyce though, it was a hard round to score, I felt like if I had to be pushed, then I would have gone with Dubois, really because, um, I don't know, it was, it was, I don't know, I don't know who was more active to be honest, because Dubois seemed to land, you know, quite a few more power shots, Joyce seemed to find a home for his jab in that round, it was just a really hard round to score. Um, a possibility of a 10-10 round, which Richie Woodall actually uh, scored, I believe. Um, round four, another really close one. If I had to edge it to anyone, I'd go with Joyce there. It was a great round. Round five, for me, a Dubois round. Um, he put a lot into that round. You know, you could see the effort he was putting in was quite taxing. He was having to dig deep. He was having a lot of success with his right hand, though. Uh, Joyce was taking a lot of clean shots, but again, to his credit, he wasn't really looking bothered by the shots. It was it was starting to really hot up at this point, for me anyway. It was, it was very interesting. Um, you know, going into those other rounds there. Round six, another round for Dubois again for me. He seemed to have success when he threw combinations. Joyce was only really jabbing and throwing two-punch combos. Uh, Dubois was landing here and there. It wasn't an easy round to score yet again, but for me, Dubois just edged it. Uh, Dubois' eye as well was starting to close fully in that sixth round. Uh, round seven, for me, Dubois again won that round. He was really having to dig deep. He looked dead on his store at the end of every round, but somehow he found the energy from somewhere to go out and perform well. And he boxed quite cleverly, actually, in the seventh round. Joyce had success again with the one-two the first time he threw a shot to Dubois' head. Um... Because, you know, a lot of the time he was going for the body and stuff like that. Uh, Dubois round, again, like, like I say, for me there. And um, 
again, Joyce was taking some clean shots off Dubois. Um, that's when the tide seemed to turn. Round eight, for me, just um, just gave the round to Joyce. It was close. Joyce was being sneaky with his shots on the inside. Dubois was just missing by inches with big, big shots. You were always kind of saying to yourself, if that landed, ooh. But they didn't land. Round nine, a big round for Joyce. He was picking Dubois off with the jab. And that seemed to be the undoing, to be honest. Dubois was not able to get past Joyce's jab at all. He was getting picked off. Joyce looked really strong. He looked like he was in control. The fight was being fought at his pace. Um, and like I say, he won the round with ease. Um, and then round 10, well, it didn't last long. Like I say, it was quite a demoralizing ninth round for, uh, for Daniel Dubois. Round 10... Yeah, he. I think it was 30 seconds into the round, he walks into a jab straight on his left eye, which of course had been closed for about four rounds. And it was a it was a great shot because he walked straight into it, so it was powerful. And you know, instantly kind of winced and then took a knee and then allowed for himself to be counted out. Um, brilliant win for Joe Joyce, who obviously was a big underdog. A lot of people won money on the fight because the general consensus was Dubois early or Joyce late or Joyce on points. And Dubois, even though I give him massive amounts of credit because he got in there, um, you could see he seemed to be burning up a lot of nervous energy. It was a very kind of uh, thinking man's fight, if you like. I don't think he's had to think like that in fights like that before. And he seemed like he was gassing really early. And, you know, he went out there and, like I say, he looked dead on his stall in between rounds sometimes. He went back out there. He fought hard. He fought well. And I was proud of him, you know. I think he answered a few questions, to be honest. But the question he didn't answer, and a question that no one really had for him prior to this, was what is his heart like? And he didn't pass that that kind of gut check. Now, I know that after the fight, we found out that he had nerve damage around that left eye and, I believe, a fractured orbital bone. And we know how dangerous that can be. Um, you know, Kel Brook obviously springs to mind in this situation where, you know, it happened against Golovkin and then in the very next fight, the other eye, um, it, it happened with, with, with Errol Spence. But I don't know. He took the knee. He allowed himself to get counted out. Initially, everyone's thinking he's quit there, you know, and you have to say he did quit there, you know. Um, was it the right thing to do for his health? Absolutely. Um, do I think he's, you know, not going to be able to come back from this? It's going to haunt him forever? No, I don't think so. But... I've heard the saying said before, and I, I kind of do stick by it. If you quit once, you can quit again. It's not hard to do the same thing again. The fact of the matter is he allowed himself to get counted out, and it's a quit. Um, I think I want to see Joyce kind of pushed on. I think he's now going to get that number two spot with the WBO. Should Anthony Joshua vacate his belt because, you know... Usyk doesn't want to step aside, so he's going to be there saying, I want my shot, and it's going to probably get in the way of a potential Fury-Joshua, unif well, not unification, it would be for all the belts, so it would be um, an undisputed fight, but I think he's going to probably have to drop the WBO to get Usyk off his back, and then Usyk would be fighting mm. for the vacant title against Joe Joyce. I want to see that for Joyce. The mm. They're foes from the amateurs. I'd like to see Joyce in a big fight. I want to see Frank Warren promote him properly, because he promoted both Joyce and Dubois, but but he had no problem in the build-up saying he wanted Dubois to win and thought Dubois would win. Very strange. Um, credit to uh, Joe Joyce's corner man as well. I said it on last week's show that 
Um, Ishmael Salas, you know, he's been in the States. He wasn't with Joe Joyce for any of his training camp for the coronavirus stuff, and he's training other guys out there and all that. He came over on fight week, and then when they tested him for coronavirus, he had coronavirus, so he couldn't even be at the fight. He just stayed in the hotel all week, and then he's gone back. So um, shout out to, I think it's Steve Broughton, or Steve Broughton, I believe it is. I hope I'm not getting the name wrong. Um, Quite I don't want to say inexperienced because he's been kind of in the background with some big fights and stuff, but he took the, you know, took center stage there. He was the main man in the corner. Credit to him. He needs some serious credit. Um, Yeah, I'm worrying about Dubois on the comeback, obviously, because I I think these injuries can reoccur, and if something were to happen like that again, would he do the same thing? It's It's a tough one. Um... I just think Frank, with his siding towards Dubois in the build-up, it was quite uncomfortable, and I thought maybe it was for, um, for uh, you know, promotional purposes to try and build up the fight because obviously Joe Joyce has got a manager with a really kind of big mouth, um, Sam Jones. He's a brilliant, brilliant. Um, he's a manager, but he's a brilliant promoter for stuff like this, and he he talks a lot and says a lot and gets under people's skin. And, you know, he was kind of um, against Frank Warren, if you like. So I thought it was that. But in the post-fight interview when Joyce beat Dubois, you could kind of feel the tension between the pair. And it doesn't look good. But, yeah, um, I'm going to finish on this bit on it as well. Because a lot of people were saying that Joyce was really disrespectful and stuff like that afterwards. And I've watched what everyone's watched. Because initially I was saying, what? I must have seen something different. I've watched it. And um, apparently, I, I didn't see anything different. It's the same. It's the same um, thing I've seen. Basically, he gets interviewed after the fight, and he says that he was happy that they stopped it as soon as they did. And that was not him being disrespectful. That was him giving Dubois credit. You know, he, he went on to say that I think it was with an, in an interview with IFL TV. He also said he had ringing in his ears way after the fight. Like when he was doing the interview, he still had ringing in his ears. He didn't want to trade with Dubois. He knew he couldn't do that. These are things here where he's giving Joyce credit. He's not, oh, sorry, not, he, not not Joyce. He's giving Dubois credit. He wasn't disrespectful. Oh, I don't know how anyone can come up with that. Um, and yeah, if you want to talk about disrespect, by the way, let's talk about Dubois when he said something about Joe Joyce's mum, about her being blind or, mm. or deaf whichever one it is um she she's you know disabled for, um, she's either deaf or she's or she's blind anyway i don't think he meant to say what he said he said something quite um distasteful in the build-up dubois and i actually don't think he knew that she was disabled before he said it so even that i mean that was the thing if you're going to pick at something if you're going to nitpick heavyweight uh, heavyweight boxing fight. If you're going to nitpick, that's the thing to pick at. Not what, well, not what Joyce said, which I think uh, got took out of context a bit. But anyway, I don't think Dubois was being well, nasty either. But um, yeah, there's 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 great respect well, between the pair. And um, sorry, Eddie, I know you're trying to jump in, but yeah, there's great respect between the pair. I want to see Joyce pushed on. Big fights for him. Dubois, I'd like to see him come back against a solid opponent, not the kind of guys he's been boxing recently. I'd like to see him in there with someone like, I think a good fight for him would probably be like a Christian Hammer, like a, a Marius Wack, someone like that, even though I think Hammer boxed, um, obviously, Yoka on, on the same or on the same weekend, just just gone, and um, Wack is fighting um, Huey Fury, I think it's on, on the Joshua undercard, so 
Those kind of guys I want to see him in with. And, and a great one, probably the best fight that could be made against a former European champion, would be Ajit Kabayel. Still undefeated. He, I don't know how he lost the belt, but obviously Joyce has now got it. It was on the line. It was vacant. He should beat him. And that will prove to people that he is European level without having to get back in with Joyce or whatever. But anyway, hopefully it's not a long comeback trial. He's still young. I could go on all night, Eddie. Stop me and jump in. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I was just getting clarification on why people thought that was disrespectful when Joe Joyce said something about sure. he stopped it when he did. Yeah, I'm not entirely because sure because he, he basically, um, I think they said like, oh, you know, it was quite quick into the round because they they had the pair of them together, like they were stood up both after the fight, both like you know two meters apart, getting interviewed, yeah. and they said, oh, you know, it was a very sudden stoppage in the tenth round. Obviously, you know, Daniel, you. You 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 um you know you got counted out by the referee or whatever, and they they said something like, "What did you make of it to 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 Joe Joyce?" And he said, "Well, I was happy that it got stopped when it did." And he kind of awkwardly laughed. But if you hear Joyce talk, he he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. He's not um I don't know some things he says gets took out of context. He's not like um the smoothest talker at all. I think some people right. are getting that twisted. But if you know him, he's a good guy. He he showed him respect. He said about his ears ringing after the shots. He said he couldn't actually stand and trade with him. He didn't want to do any of that. You can't be any more respectful. People are just twisting up the words or taking it out of context when it doesn't need to be, you know? Yeah, 100%. Like, I, I was thinking that he was saying he was happy that he stopped it because either it was good that he didn't get have to go any more rounds with him or... It was more because he didn't you know, obviously want to continue to batter him. You know what I'm saying? He wanted to just have the fight over, and for you know no one to get hurt. That's where I was. That's what I was taking from. It was one or the other. You know what I mean? Either one is respectful. One is you don't want to you know you don't want to see the other fighter get hurt unnecessarily when you clearly see that they're at this point not going to be you know active defensively or offensively. It's pointless to have them continue. Or you were like, man. I'm just glad I made it out of there without having that without having to exchange with him anymore and take any more crazy shots. You know what I'm saying? So either way is a respectful uh, uh, assessment of it. And I agree a hundred percent with what you've said. And like I say, in the build up to the fight, let's say that Joe Joyce's mum is is blind, for example. Yeah. Daniel Dubois said something at the first press conference when she was there. Um, she was mm-hmm. actually present, and he said something about like, ah. Uh, I don't want to, I'm really taking it out of context because I can't, I can't remember, but he said something along the lines of like, oh, you know, you're going to see your son get knocked out, but she's blind. So of course she can't see her son get knocked out. So it was like, oh, I shouldn't say that. But again, I don't think he was being nasty. I just think he didn't know that she was blind or whatever, you know? So if if you're going to nitpick at something, though, that's the thing to pick at, (laughs) you know? People are acting, I'm yeah. starting to think of some people that are offended by what Joe Joyce said. Did they have loads of money on Dubois to win the fight or something? It, it just seems too personal. It makes you wonder. Yeah, it makes you wonder. Well, a lot of people are like that with their with their athletes, you know what I mean? Yeah. There are certain people that just are fans, and no matter what the other person does, no matter what the other person says, and remember, he lost. So if you're a fan of his, you're just going to look for everything to be, you know, to, to, to pick at or to be upset about because obviously your guy lost so that you don't have that to share about. You know what I'm saying? So it's just one of those things, man. And and, and people are going to take these things out of context because it's, you know, it's, it's their prerogative is it's, it's, it's their decide, their decision to make of it, whatever they want to. 
And like I said, they're upset they their guy lost a fight, so they're going to pick at everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but swiftly moving on anyway, because um, I don't want to upset some listeners as well. But um, that's just the way I saw it. It doesn't mean I'm right. It doesn't. I mean, Eddie didn't see it at all. He's just explaining a possibility. You know, it doesn't mean I'm right. I could be wrong. That's just the way I saw it. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm giving my opinion on 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 this podcast. But um, moving out now, stateside to the Staples Center in Los Angeles, USA. Let's start with. Well, I'm not even going to talk about the main event because, you know, it was what it was. It was great to see Mike back. I don't want to see a regular thing out of it. 54 years of age. He looked a lot fitter than Roy Jones did, considering he retired a lot, um, a lot, you know, a much longer time ago than Roy Jones. But, yeah, anyway, leaving that there, man, because that's just pointless. But um, Badu Jack picked up a win, a unanimous decision for him over eight rounds, a complete shutout against Blake McKernan who's now 13-1. and one. He was undefeated there. Badu Jack now 23-3 and three with three draws. Uh, Jake Paul, I mean, it has to be said. I, I hate to, to say this, but it has to be said. He boxed this guy called Nate Robinson. I didn't know anything about Nate Robinson. What, what did you say? He was a, a basketball player, right? Yeah, yeah, he was an NBA player. He's it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Jake Paul got in there and um, uh, stopped him in two rounds. And the reason why I bring it up is because... Um, sadly and it is very sad but sadly it's probably one of the best knockouts in boxing of 2020 I don't know what to say like it just it was I mean when we talk about the knockout of the year contenders I'm gonna I mean I almost want to punch myself in the face one of them is a flipping YouTuber man yeah yeah isn't it crazy it is, but um, it was a good finish. And, and like we said, I know you got a little bit confused between you know the two brothers, Logan Paul and Jake Paul, but he can he can fight a bit. You know, he takes his training serious. That guy. Well, yeah, I mean, these guys like um, his brother, him, they seem to be a little bit. They're into it. You know what I mean? They're trying to to make it a career. You know, he's taking it obviously, you know, somewhat serious. He's he's been involved in it what a year or two years now. So, I mean, you give him credit right there, but it's just tough, man, when you're looking at – I mean, I understand what the card was supposed to be about. I mean, the card is about, you know, guys from you know, from different places, different walks of life at different points in their life, uh, making boxing their particular uh, – I don't want to say getaway, but their, their next lane, their lane too. And I, I appreciate it, but you can't do that in the NBA. You can't all of a sudden up in one day think about, hey, you know what? I want to try. I want to be an. I want to be an NBA player. Now you can say that. You can try to do that, but you're probably not going to be successful. So why in the hell is it is, is, is it okay, or is it, or that it can happen that a guy from the NBA, a guy that is a YouTuber, a guy that is just off fresh off the street, basically just saying he's going to turn professional and 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 fight for a living. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people out here, man, that have put their life on the line with this game for so long. And to see these guys who Johnny come lately, but because they're given a voice because of their popularity in another in another form, I don't think it's I just don't think it's fair to other fighters. But then again, whatever sells tickets. And I understand that's part of the game. It's business. But whatever. And what did you make of um what did you make of the commentary? Did you listen to the commentary for these fights, by the way? I did. I, actually, you know, you know, I actually liked a bit, and I don't know if you're going to 
you know, crucify me for saying it, but the MMA guy. Ah, oh, what's his name? God dang it. Can't remember his name. I would I was just I was just talking about his actually his commentary was actually not bad. But you heard Snoop he was on, the, on the mic, right? Yeah, he, he yeah, he was there too. Snoop. You know what? And hey, he was he was, <laughs> he was funny, funny. wasn't he? You know? he was funny. He's funny. He's funny, yeah. I liked him I liked him on there too. I mean you getting I mean you're getting I, I like how they're how they adopted this as like a kind of a loose kind of uh, uh broadcast. You know what I'm saying? Like I like that about it. You know what I mean? I feel like the MMA guy was probably the best one of all. I mean, obviously, Morrow, um, was named Moro um, Ronaldo. Is that, is that, that, I hope I'm not messing his name up. No idea. He's obviously experienced, and he's done several different, you know, shows at you know MMA box and everything. But and then Sugar Ray Leonard was there, and then um, Israel Desanya. That's his name, Israel Desanya. He was he was doing really good with the with the commentary. I really liked his commentary. It was uh, comfortable, laid back, relaxed, sound really comfortable with what he was saying. Named things that made sense. I mean, he's an MMA fighter doing doing a boxing broadcast, but he seemed like he was knowledgeable enough about it to to actually uh, uh, you know come over right to to the to the boxing people. Also, when Snoop got on, you know, he added some humor to it. Like when he, when Nate Robinson was in there trying to go at him all crazy, talking about slow down, nephew, <laughs> like all that stuff that he was saying. It was just, it was funny. It was, it was enlightening the situation, but at the same time, it, it was still pretty good. And just, it was just good to listen to him all. You know what I mean? I've always said, I really like Snoop as a performer. Like, you know, he doesn't like, even when he's doing his, uh, doing his thing and, you know, his, his performing, uh, rapping or whatever he doesn't scream over the music it just sounds like it works a lot better so him as a commentator kind of kind of just flowed too so it was all right the whole the whole thing was all right somewhat of a sideshow thing going on but it was still it, w- it wasn't bad i liked when um mike and roy were fighting and uh snoop said that <laughs> this this <laughs> is uh he said it's like watching two of my uncles fighting at a barbecue <laughs> <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he did say that. That was that was, but see, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, the funny thing is, I mean, these guys have been on TV and been been speaking over microphones for their entire, basically, most of their adult lives and half of their young lives. You know what I mean? So they're so comfortable in front of the camera, uh, with their voice being heard. It, it's just like, it's just like anything. You know, it's just like them talking to a, to friends. So they're listen. You know, people. I don't know, thousands or millions of people listen to him on TV, and it just sounds like they're talking amongst amongst some guys in the barbershop. So it's kind of good, man. It's lighthearted. I, I actually like the commentary a lot. S N double O P D O double G. Okay, okay. I used to be a lot better doing. I used to be a lot better doing my my Snoop Dogg impression. That very well might get cut out, actually, or bleeped out. Is it? it pre- I haven't done that for years, but I was good. I was good back in the day with uh, my Snoop impression. Because you know what it is like when you get older. Obviously, your voice breaks a bit, but Snoop's voice ain't really. He's got quite a high voice, you know. So yeah, when my voice kind of broke and got a bit deeper, it was like, yeah, that's the end of the Snoop impressions, you know. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> moving out now. Sorry. Moving out now to the Park Production Studios. This fight card took place yesterday at the, um, yeah, the Park Production Studios in South Kirkby, Yorkshire. It was the Golden Contract Finals. Let's start with the um, the featherweight finals. We had Jazza Dickens 
With a brilliant win, it was a defense of his WBO European featherweight title. He is just on such a run now, Jazza Dickens, man. He's had a real kind of um, tricky life, you know. That's his 30th win. He's got three losses. Um, he's just had, you know, he's been one of them guys. He, he hasn't been promoted um, properly ever. You know, he hasn't been with a major promoter, I don't think. And, you know, he's just put together a brilliant a brilliant run. You know, his last loss came three and a half years ago to Thomas Patrick Ward. Thomas Patrick Ward hasn't really done anything since then. And um, he's just coming off this brilliant run, obviously, beating Nathaniel May, beating Carlos Ramos, beating Lee Wood, um, beating Ryan Walsh now. He's just, you know, he deserves something. And he said it himself in the post-fight interview. He's beaten European champions and... You know, he's beaten um, British champions. The, the next step is he wants a world title shot. Obviously, you know, he's he's been stopped the one... Oh, no, he's been stopped twice. He got stopped to Rigondo, didn't he? And he got stopped to, to uh, Kid Galahad. Cool, all them years ago. But, um, yeah, you know, he deserves some kind of luck. And I'm really pleased for him, man. He's a friend of the show. I had him on once before. And he was cooking lobster while I was interviewing him. Which, um... I remember these weird things sometimes. I'm not sure why. But sometimes I've done interviews with people in random places. Like, I did a few interviews with Dave Allen when he was he was uh, completely naked in the bath. Um, you oh know, but, but it is what it is. <laughs> sounds like Dave. Sounds like that Dave. sounds just like Dave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, brilliant win for Jazza Dickens. Um, I mean, I thought Walsh would probably win the fight, but um, really made up for, for Jazza Dickens. So, yeah, Ryan Walsh now 26 and 3 with two draws. Didn't look his absolute best, to be honest, but it is what it is. Um, moving on to the light heavyweight finals for the WBO European light heavyweight title. Rickards Bolotniks with a TKO in the 10th and final round. There was only 15 seconds left in the, you know, in the round. He, he almost made the distance Serge or Sergei Michel, I think it is. He's now 11 and two. Uh, Bolotniks now 18 and five with a draw. Um, yeah, he was down, I think, in the fifth round, Michelle, and down once in the tenth, and then he's corner through the towel in, and it was the right decision, even though there was 15 seconds left. I think his dad's his corner man or his trainer or whatever. Even though there was only 15 seconds left, he was absolutely done, like completely done. And I'm gutted because it would have been nice to see him go the distance, but what a brilliant win there for Bolotniks. You know, he's put together such an amazing run. He um, he beat Stephen, um, who's it? Um, Stephen Ward in in the in the quarterfinals of the tournament. Then he beat Jose Burton, and now he's beaten Michelle. I mean, he's just he is just again on a brilliant run, serious momentum. And I picked him to win by stoppage late on as well, and he did. So uh, brilliant win for him. And on the undercard, brilliant fight between Daniel Egbenike six and zero against Harlem Eubank ten and zero. It ended. After 10 rounds, with a points decision going in favour of Harlem Eubank, 97-94 for him, scored by the referee Phil Edwards. Um, yeah, Eubank, you know, very, very, um, very, very good fighter, obviously. Uh, boxing at 140, and there's some great fights for him down the line. He's looking at fighting for the English title, I think, in his next fight or in the next couple fights. Um, yeah, I want to see him pushed on, you know, he's... he's um, kind of been spoke about for a long time obviously carries that very famous surname uh Eubank and um 
yeah, we'll see what the future holds for him. He's He's got an exciting future. It was a brilliant fight as well. Both men shared a common opponent in Martin McDonough. Both guys held a win over him. And, um, yeah, brilliant fight. Really applaud MTK for making that one. But, anyway, that's it for the review part of the show. I'm going to just mention briefly two pieces of news that I have here. If anything else develops from now to the end of the show, I'll discuss it um, when I'm signing out. Uh, Florian Marku, the... I always thought he was Romanian. Oh, maybe he's not. I can't remember where he's from now. But anyway, he um, he signed with Matram. That's a big move for him. Um, obviously, he looked good on that Ultimate Boxer undercard or whatever. He's now signed with Matram. Got quite a big fan base. He wants to fight the likes of um, um, Connor Ben and stuff like that. We shall see. And also, the other piece is that... Um, Julio Cesar Martinez will be defending his WBC World Flyweight title on the Canelo Callum Smith undercard. He takes on Francisco Rodriguez Jr. No surprise, really, seeing as they both train with um, with Canelo's trainer, um, whose name I've forgot his name right now for some reason. Uh, oh gosh, anyway, I forgot the guy's name. That's that's so poor on my part. Who's Canelo's trainer? I've totally forgot his name. Anyway. Is it Eddie Reynoso? Eddie Reynoso, yeah. Um, anyway, that's it for the two pieces of news. And that closes part one. The final thing to do is to welcome our sole guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former British Commonwealth and European champion. It is, of course, Mr. Sam Eggington. Sam, welcome back on the show, my man. I appreciate it, Tom. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely, my pleasure, Sam. So, like I said, we last had you back on, uh, back on the podcast in in 2017. It's been a long time. It was just before the Seferino Rodriguez fight, which obviously was a brilliant one. But a lot has happened since then. Let's let's get up to date. You're coming off that fight of the year contender against Ted Cheeseman. What a brilliant fight! Um, just briefly, Sam, how did you kind of assess that fight looking back now? I know that you felt hard done by on the night. Many people agree with you. Yeah, I still, I still, I still do, pal. I still do. Um, it's one of the hardest pills to swallow, if I'm honest, of all of them. Um, I'm, I'm okay with you know coming out of a fight and and losing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm alright with that. You know, when you come out and you say, look, I just weren't the better man on the night. You know, I just believe that with that fight, I, I was and I, and I won that fight. So, what can you do about it, though? Yeah, no, absolutely. And even though Ted pretty much dismissed it immediately, will you be gutted if you never get that rematch? Is that something that will kind of bite away at you, eat away at you? I guess. I, I think, I think, I think so. I mean, I think it will. Yeah, I mean, it's one of them ones that, like I say, I'm. I'm it sounds bad, but I'm okay with losing if I'm the worst man on the night. You know, I'm okay with that. You know, I can, I can deal with that. If someone's better than me on the night, then they deserve to win. That night, that weren't the case. It just wasn't. Um, and and I think that's what eats away. Like no matter what you do, yeah, you know you, you can't get the nod. It's unreal. No, and like I say, you boxed so good that night, man. Like, um, you know, that's one of the best performances I've seen you 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 perform. You know, it's hard as well. Yeah, I've, I've, people keep saying that to me, and I can't watch the fight. I've watched it in bits. I've watched around here, around there. I can't watch the full fight, I, and it's hard. It's, it's, it's bad because people say, "Oh, you boxed the best you ever boxed." Yada yada yada. But it's a wonder because I can't watch it, man. It's a, it's, a, it's a sickness. 
Yeah, I can understand. Well, I can imagine. But um, let's let's move on to positive things. Your, your next fight takes place next Friday on Channel Five against Ashley Fiafane. Um This is the, the the kind of perfect comeback fight for you, I believe. Am I right in saying this is the perfect kind of opponent for you to you know to to get a good win over following that controversial decision? I think so. I think it's a I think it's a very a very good name to come back to. Um, you know, I feel like someone like Stephen, you know, everyone knows his history, so there will be people on both sides of the pond watching his fight, so um, I just think, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a great name to have, um, and hopefully, you know, I'll go out there and I'll, and I'll do a, you know, a good job. And like you said, everyone knows his yeah, history. You know, he's he's been around the Mayweathers. He's kind of been on this world tour where he's been going to different countries, beating guys, but not really beating guys of a significant level, I must add. Um, coming back to the UK after all these years, and he's already been saying this is going to be his last fight. He's going to sail off into the sunset after this. That's a dangerous mentality, in my opinion, to have when taking someone like you on. Would you agree with that? It's a bit dangerous of his thinking. I think so. I mean, I mean, it's not so much dangerous as just a foot already out the door. Do you know what I mean? It's already a way out. Bam, my last fight. You know, ah, uh, old, yada, yada, yada. You know, he's it's, it's already got a foot out the door. It doesn't matter. You know, like, so I think that's all he's doing. I think that's, unless, you know, he's really trying to play mind games and he's going to come out fucking all good blazing, which I doubt. Um, so I just think it's a foot out the door, you know. He's, he's going to get in, he's going to try and have it for a few rounds. And once he understands that, you know, he's probably past his best and, and he's not going to get a win. He's just going to fold and, and, and he's already got his excuse. It's my last fight, you know, I'm just back. Yeah. And I think, I think that's what it is more than anything. It would be great if he did come out and it was uh, some kind of mind games. <laughs> but um, I want to ask you this, Sam, as well. Where where do you feel like you are in your career now? Obviously, you've won every belt available to you aside from a world title. Do you yeah. still feel that you're at the same level you were able to get to at the peak of your career? People forget you're still so young, of course. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Paul, yeah, I'm not just saying this. People keep asking me this. I've never enjoyed my work as much as I do now, like, when I was winning the British and the Commonwealth and the European, I literally, it was a job. Like, I'd turn up, you can ask my coach, I'd turn up to the gym. I'd have a face on me like you wouldn't believe. I wouldn't talk to nobody. I'd get my work done and I'd get out of the gym. And that was it. That was that was a day at work. Um, but I've never enjoyed training and being around the gym and just generally learning as much as I am, I am now. Um, I... And I know that's going to sound like, of course, he's saying that he's got a fight coming up. You know, I don't lie. I don't need to lie. You know, I've told everyone a few times that, you know, it's a job. But I'm generally enjoying it now. And, and I think that's what it, I think it's coming out. And like you say, it come out in my last performance. So, but yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping, you know, we'll get this win. We'll push on to, you know, to, to bigger things. But. Just have to wait and see. And Sam, what are the bigger thing, uh, the bigger things? Obviously, it's been a crazy year for everyone, but to close out the year with a good win over Fear Fame, um, where would you see yourself going after that? It's hard to say, Pa. Um, I just literally wait for the phone to, to ring. Do you know what I mean? Like the attack. You know, I'd love to Liam Smith. I literally was, you know, I was in the gym doing bits, and the Italian job come up. So I don't. Uh, it's hard to plan anything when, when you're in my position. 
you know, you just got to wait and hope that the phone will ring and you'll have, you know, some sort of shot at some sort of title and, and that's what I'll do. I'll hopefully, you know, I'll get Fear of A&A away um, and someone will be watching somewhere that I think, you know what, you know, it, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be a good, a good, a good fight for this title, that title, this person or that person and, and we'll go from there. And obviously, when you were at welterweight, there were so many names domestically. There's still so many names domestically. But up at 154, there's perhaps not the strength in names there. But you, you still have a, a good bunch of guys. Do you have any kind of interest in fighting anyone in particular in Britain? Like, I want to throw a name at you just completely off the top of my head. He, he won a fight uh, the weekend just gone. Hamza Shiraz, a young prospect. Are you looking at bigger things than that? Or is that, is that nothing interesting to you about that? I mean... I think there's not much there for me, if I'm honest. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've saw him. He boxed one from our gym, actually. He boxed Ryan Kelly. Um, and he, he does what he does well, he does well. But there's nothing for me there. If I beat, if I went out and beat Hamish Shiraz, that people would say, okay. You know, so, you know, you got to, when, you, when you're taking these fights, you got to have the same as you'll gain as much as you'll lose, you know what I mean? What, what's that saying? If I lost against Hamas Shiraz, then it would all be over. If I beat him, people would be like, yeah, he's only had 13 fights, he went to beat him. So, you got, you just got to wait it all up. Yeah, I like I like that answer, and that's, that's very honest of you as well. Um, just coming down to the real kind of last proper question um you say it's kind of hard to plan out your next your next moves you don't know what happens if you win the fight you you know you're not sure exactly what's going to come next but we are in the month of december now what is on your christmas wish list in terms of 2021 for you career-wise a win over fear fame in a realistic world but if it was all up to you uh what do you want 2021 to bring you in boxing just a constant array of fights. I need stability. You know, I need I need someone to say, look, you can box four times this year, three times this year, um, and I'd be happy. I could I could do that. It's when you don't know what's coming, and, and um, you know, you got a box from from one day to the next, just hoping that you know the next fight will come. Uh, I just need I need stability. I need I need a constant flurry of fights, you know, the more actually I have, you know, everyone says it, the better your bucks, and, and I believe that. Yeah, well, like I say, I hope that you are active in 2021. Obviously, in 2019, you had six fights, so that was pretty active there. But, um, yeah, I hope that, that comes true for you, my friend. And just before we let you go, if you've got any closing words to your to your supporters, to listeners of this show, like I say, it's been three long years since we last had you on. What's your message to anyone that's listening yeah. that supports you, my friend? Tune in, man. Tune in and uh, get me on more often. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Listen, if you're not tuning in, uh, it's, it's, it's on Channel 5, obviously, next Friday. You'd be a fool to not tune in. It is going to be brilliant. I'm really looking forward to it myself. Listen, Sam, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my friend. We definitely will get you on more often. Best of luck for next Friday. I hope we can catch up sometime after. Nice one, pal. Appreciate it. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part is the preview part, but before we get into that, it's time for Eddie's quiz question. Eddie, you looking forward to this? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. I'm, I'm ready to get another dub. Well, <laughs> let's go. well, 
<laughs> don't get see what don't get uh, ahead of yourself because this one was sent in from uh, from at ricey underscore sufc. He's a very loyal listener. He's been listening for a long, long time. Honestly, um, a great, great guy. He said, I've got an easy one to extend Eddie's winning streak. Now, I'm not sure if he was being sarcastic because this is, I I think this is quite a difficult question. So he says, I'll give you a clue as well if you... um, if, I'm struggling, if you're struggling. Which I will be. Yeah. <laughs> he says, "Who was the first heavyweight to regain the heavyweight world title?" The, oh, so the first person to lose it and regain it. Yeah, lose it and regain it. First two. T- so the first two-time heavyweight champion of the world. Yes. Why do y'all keep giving me the heavyweight questions? <laughs> like, I thought, we had, I thought it would suit you, man. It does. It does, kind of. Um, the first. Two times. I. This is this. The reason why this is hard because. Well, you know what? Give me the give me the clue. Give me the clue. All right, and then I'll go from there, and I'll let you know if it's if I'm right. Okay. I mean, well, I'll let you know if I feel confident enough to be to be wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's go. Okay, so, um, he, I mean, he was the first, um you know, first heavyweight to, to regain the title. And he was also the first, they, basically him and his son both were world champions. It's the first father and son to win world titles in boxing history. So he's the first okay. in that too. First to Father's. do that too. Yeah. Jesus, now you're killing me now. Oh, Lord have mercy. I'm trying to think of now father and sons who, and especially in the heavyweight division, who both were world titleists. This is really not that easy. <laughs> it's really not. But um, son. Yeah, his son. His son wasn't a heavyweight world champion. Though. Oh wait, his son wasn't. Never won a title, right? No, no. His son was a world champion, but not. A, he wasn't a heavyweight. Well, but he wasn't a heavyweight because I was about to be wrong as hell. Because I was about to say something. <laughs> but, what were you gonna say? But what his son was. No, no, no. It's 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 so wrong, and I know it wasn't it. But um, but his son wasn't. His son was a champion, but he wasn't a heavyweight champion, right? That's right. Uh, hold on, no, please don't uh, do this to me. So now I'm thinking really, really hard. All right, can you give me one more? And about what era? Okay. Of boxing. So, firstly, I believe his son is adopted. By the way, I believe he's adopted. He he's got a double. Well, not yeah. He's got like a double barrel surname, the son, one okay. one which is after his heavyweight world champion father, and he, by the way, was a world champion. He was a two weight world champion in the nineteen nineties, but his dad was was um, a heavyweight world champion in oh boy uh, the sixties. This is a big clue now. It is a big clue. Why the fuck do you think of it? Man? He was in the 1990s, and his dad was, and he said he was a, uh, he was in the 90s. Why can't I? And I bet you it's something that I probably thought of a couple of times, and it's like kind of glossed over it because I didn't think it was that. He was a, he wasn't a heavyweight. The son so, wasn't a heavyweight. The yeah, I know it is. 
but he said like he might be adopted and I'm just drawing a blank right now like I don't understand why I'll give you another clue the dad had two fights two fights against Muhammad Ali oh wait oh wait wait two fights with Muhammad Ali now oh wow I know who it is (laughs) And we're talking about the dad, not the son, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so the dad was Leon Spinks. No. What? No. What? Not. Wait, wait, wait. Are you sure? Because you said the son was not a heavyweight, and he was a world champion. He lost it and gained it back. So was the dad, right? Or was it? Please. I, I said that they were, the, they were the first father-son world champions. I don't know if it's been done since then or if Leon Spinks did it, but, you know, oh, I, I, it's a good fault I, because obviously Leon fought Ali twice, but I don't yeah. Was Leon a two-time heavyweight world champion? I don't know. But anyway, he, he wasn't the first guy to regain it, though. God damn it. What, so Leon Spinks' uh, son was a, was a world champion, was he? Well... Well, yeah, Leon's son of Corey Spinks. Ah, uh, okay. God. Mm, that's why. That's why. That was a good, that was a good one, though. That was a very good one. Okay, who is, who is it now? So I can be upset with myself for not knowing this. Okay. And he fought Ali twice. Are you ready for this? <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Okay, so oh. Floyd Patterson and his son, Tracy Harris Patterson. Right, right, and you know what's funny, right? <laughs> when you first was gonna say it, I thought you were gonna say Customato's first big fight fighter. Well, you know, one I guess one of the guys he trains when he was, you know, before he trained Mike. I thought you were gonna say Floyd Patterson. So I was in my mind once again thinking the right answer, but for the wrong reason. But it was still the right answer. And it, it just pains me that sometimes, like, I probably should have just said it, even if I wasn't sure. Because I know he regained the title because he, I forget how he lost, he lost it, what, to, to Sonny, Sonny Liston or something like that? Do you know what? And, I think he did. Or did he? I think he, no, he did. Yeah, lose then, it. yeah, he did lose it to Sonny. I'm sure he did. He definitely lost to Sonny, but I'm, I'm, I think, I'm trying to remember how he got it back. I know he beat someone and got it back. He beat Ingemar Johansson to get it back. There you go. Ingemar Johansson. There you go. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's how you were, I liked you. You did really well with the, uh, with the Leon Spinks one, man. I mean, man, we don't give out half a point, but you deserve half a point, man. That was, that was good thinking. I mean, because it was, because I'm thinking Corey Spinks. Yeah, and like then, he was a world champion. He boxed yeah. Ali twice. He, his son yeah. was a world champion. Now that was a good, that was yeah. good thinking. But obviously, when I said that his dad was was um, heavyweight champion in the sixties, Leon Spinks didn't come around till the yeah, late seventies. Right. So to, to the late seventies, and that's yeah, that's where I screwed up. When you said that, I didn't listen enough to the time, when I asked for the time, you said the sixties, and it's like, damn, that's what I should have. And that's my first choice, my first thought was Lloyd Patterson in my head. I swear to God, I do this every time. You need but to then watch the next saying. time. But watch the next time I say it. And then I'm going to be wrong. 
<laughs> that's the only thing you know I'm talking about. Like I might have like three, four wins, you know, more than I have, but now I got another L because I didn't say my first thought. I don't know why I was thinking that, but you did. But when I asked you, or when you, you know, when you completed the 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 first clue, it had nothing to do with Mike Tyson or custom model. So I was like, ah, it's probably not that. Yeah. When I could have just said, fuck it, I'm going to say it anyway. And I didn't even freaking think about Floyd Patterson's son, Tracy Harris. Pa- I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even think. I never. I swear, I never, that never even came to mind. He had a son. And, I, and of course, now I remember that. And I'm like, yo, that's crazy. That was actually a really good question. Yeah. Especially, especially how close it was. Like, if I would have never asked for the times, it would have been like, damn. You know what I mean? But he wasn't the first, so. One way or the other, even if Leon did when re, re, regain the title, he still wouldn't have been the first one. Yeah, but no, it was a good, it was a good question and, and a good try as well, good effort. And just to correct myself, he he um, he won the world title, he was world champion, then he lost it to Ingemar Johansson, then they had a rematch and he regained it off of him. Then they had the right. third fight and he again retained the belt. He ended up losing it after that to Sonny Liston uh, in no, one no, round. No, no. Yeah, yeah, and then that was the end of yeah. his reign. He went on to box Muhammad Ali, um, like we say, um, twice more, but um, never regained the title. Um, so, yeah, interesting, interesting, interesting. Great question. Moving on, though, to the preview part, because we took quite long on that. Moving on to the preview part, we're going to start here tomorrow uh, at the Wembley Arena uh, in Wembley, London, United Kingdom. Let's start with the undercard. Lerone Richards, Matram's new sign-in, 13-0, the former British middleweight champion. Um, or is he super middleweight? I'm forgetting now myself. But anyway, he takes on Timo Lane, who's 28-14. and 14. That's a strange one. Shannon Courtney, she gets out for the first time since losing her O. 5-1 in an eight-two-minute round contest against Dorota Norek, who's 6-1. and one. Uh, Zach Parker, 19-0, friend of the show. Um, he fights for the vacant WBO International Super Middleweight title against Cesar Nunes, who's 17-2 and two with a draw. Um, I think this is some kind of eliminator as well for him. He's been high in the WBO rankings for a long time now. Um, James Tennyson, 27-3, takes on Josh O'Reilly, who's 16-0. and 0. That one's over 12 rounds there. And the main event... Billy Joe Saunders, 29-0, and 0, in search of win number 30. He takes on Martin Murray, 39-5 and 5 with a draw. That one's for Billy Joe's WBO Super Middleweight World title. Not a fight I'm looking forward to at all. It was supposed to take place a couple years ago when, uh, when Billy Joe was with Frank Warren, and obviously it didn't end up happening because Billy Joe pulled out once or twice, and now it's happening, and... You know, since then, Martin Murray's racked up a couple losses. He's retired. He's come out of retirement. Uh, Billy Joe's moved up in weight. He hasn't looked good, as even Eddie Hearn said. He hasn't looked good in any of his fights at super middleweight. I just can't believe it's happening. It's it's not a fight I'm looking forward to at all. Um, Martin Murray's tough as they come. He really is such a tough guy. Only guy to get him out of there was Triple G, I think, in round 11. Um and yeah, he he almost took Triple G to distance and ended that 22 or 23 uh, KO streak that he ended up going on. So um, Billy Joe Saunders to win that one on points in quite a boring fight, sadly. Um, anyway, that's on Friday. On Saturday at the Church House back in Westminster, London, 
the undercard is okay. We get to see Dennis McCann seven and oh, he's in an eight rounder against Pedro Matos, who's seven and three. Uh, we also get to see Michael Rambaletza, um, eighteen and seventeen. Not sure what's going on here. This one's for the vacant WBC international super bantamweight title he takes on chris bork but the main event this is really where it's all happening up at light heavyweight for the commonwealth um, light heavyweight title we get to see lyndon arthur 17 and oh king lyndon arthur against anthony yard 20 and one obviously anthony yard known for his um Lions in the camp mantra, so they're billing this as the lion versus the king. So you know it's it's good. This is a great, great fight. Lyndon Arthur probably, probably the smoother, cleaner boxer, certainly with the deeper pedigree. But Anthony Yard so heavy-handed, can crack with both hands. Um, been at world level, even though he got knocked out by Kovalev. For me, I think Anthony Yard is far too good for Arthur. I could be eating those words this time next week, but I just think. He's too good. He hits too hard. Lyndon Arthur for me, yeah, I don't. I, I'm not that impressed. I have to be honest. You know, all the best to both men, of course. Anthony Yard though is the man that I'd like to see come through. Moving out now, stateside. Um, the undercard really not up to much at all. Um, yeah, actually, it's re- it's really not up to anything apart from Eduardo Ramirez, 23 and two with three draws. He's in a 12 rounder against Miguel Flores, friend of the show. Really nice guy, Flores. He's 24 and three. I I wish him all the best for for sure. Um, nothing else really going on on that undercard. You get to see Sebastian Fundora against Habib Ahmed. That's a good fight actually over 12 rounds, but. Let's get straight to it. It's the final fight to mention, Eddie. It's for the WBC and IBF welterweight world titles. Errol Spence Jr. back in the ring for the first time since the high-speed car crash in which he was extremely lucky to uh, to be in a ring this soon, you know, considering, uh, you know, the injuries weren't, weren't, you know, that serious, which is just unbelievable. The Angels were with him. Uh, in that situation there, but he's back against Danny Garcia. Um, it's a mm. tough fight to come back to considering he had the car crash, but if he hadn't have had the car crash, for me, this wouldn't have been, I mean, it's a good fight, it's a, it's a, it's a good name, but I've been saying it for a long, long time now. Errol Spence keeps fighting guys way smaller than him. He keeps fighting guys that are 140 fighters coming up. I mean, Danny has kind of established himself at 147, but really and truly, he is a true 140. I think he's only up here for the big paydays, but not knocking it too much. It's a great fight. Um, I think Errol wins on points. Um, I don't really... I don't think he stops Garcia. I think Garcia is tough as hell. And I think he's got a very brave corner. I couldn't ever see Angel Garcia throwing a towel in. I don't, I don't even think he owns a towel. Um, you know, well, he probably <laughs> does to get out of the shower with. But it doesn't bring it to fight nights. But, um, yeah, I, I can't see the towel being thrown in. I can't see him getting stopped, even though Errol is such a big puncher and he's so much bigger. I, I think it's a smooth and easy points win, though, for Errol Spence. How do you see it, though? I see it honestly. Um, it's a good fight. It's a real dangerous fight, though, especially coming back off the accident, not being active, obviously, uh, for for a good while now. You know, Earl's used to being kind of busy, and you know, just being in the gym and just being around boxing in general, um, training and all. You know, it, it, it's kind of easy to you know be a step or two slow when you're not able to do that every day. Trust me, I know this. 
But um, I think even if he was at his best, this would be a dangerous fight for him. Because Danny Garcia is a different, like, the style. You know what I mean? Earl is kind of in your face. He's kind of a pressure guy. He likes to, he has a full array of offense. You know what I mean? He goes to the body, goes to the head. He, you know, he's aggressive, big puncher. You know what I mean? And, 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 and like you say, he's a big, tough, strong kid. However, Danny is, the problem Danny's had a lot of the time is sometimes a little, you know, he can be outboxed a little bit. Like when you looked at when he fought, um, ah, crap, can't remember his name, kid from Florida. Jesus, I can't believe I can't remember his name right now. Oh, my gosh. Keith Thurman. Keith Keith Thurman. Yeah, sorry. Um, And not saying that I felt like Thurman was, you know, miles ahead of him or anything like that with the boxing, but he he was just edging him in certain spots. And don't get me wrong, I really think Danny has the ability to box. He just doesn't really use it at this point because he believes so much in his power. And, you know, he's but he's still accurate. He still has good qualities as a fighter in general. You know, he's got his good eyes. You know, he's sharp. When he, you know, when he's on point, and um, but his thing that I think really makes this fight dangerous for Earl is that he punches with you at times, and like when he knocked out um, Amir Khan, just throwing shots. And a lot of guys were saying he basically had his eyes closed when he threw the shot. I don't know about that, but I do know that he's not necessarily afraid to throw shots with you, and he can take a good shot. I've seen him in there with, and I know I'm going back a little bit now, but when he was in there with Kendall Holt, and Kendall Holt is a massive puncher. In my opinion, I've just seen the reaction of the guys he's fought and how he's knocked guys out, even though he's been knocked out himself. He was a really, really big puncher. And he's landing clean shots on Danny, and Danny's coming back. And I think Danny ends up stopping him. So it's like he has that in his in his background to, to be able to take shots. And I don't want to say you don't want to take shots. I don't like the idea of taking punches unnecessarily. But if you have to, it's nice to know you have that. And with a guy like Earl Spence, and you've seen this with you know numerous fights with him. He's he's going to be willing to dish it out. So you've got to be under you got to be understanding to the fact that you might take some. And I think Dandy does have that with his game. He has that understanding. He's a he doesn't look like a tough guy, but he is a tough guy. And once again, like I said, he punches with you sometimes unexpectedly, unexpectedly, and throws shots that seem like they may not not actually work or be kind of out of bounds with the situation. But it always seems to work for him, and he, you know, not always, but most of the time it has worked for him. And um, I just see this fight as a dangerous fight for Earl Spence. I'm not saying that Earl Spence is going to lose. I'm not saying that he's going to be knocked out or be exposed, quote unquote. That's bullcrap, in my opinion. But I think that he's going to definitely have to answer some questions in, in this particular fight. And uh, I mean, obviously, Danny's going to be the big underdog, even though. You know, Earl had the uh, accident and all, but I feel like he's going to have to really answer some questions. He's going to have to, first of all, he's going to have to be, you know, is he going to be back as he was before the accident? And is he going to be able to deal with, with Danny when Danny lands heavy shots on him? Because this is a different kid throwing shots now. I'm not saying Sean Porter's not a heavy puncher. I'm not saying that, but I think Danny's a bit of a heavier puncher than that. I think if he catches you with those same shots that, 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 that Sean Porter caught him with, maybe a bigger reaction you know yeah i'm not sure i'd agree with that bit i i, I think i think even kel brook is a bigger puncher than danny garcia in my opinion but uh, really yeah i'd say so honestly honestly i mean maybe that may be true but just from what i've seen you know what i'm saying what i've seen in both their fights i mean i've 
obviously seen Carol Brook and he's done, you know, he's done good things in, uh, with, with, you know, his boxing ability. I thought his punching, I thought his ability and his shots and all that stuff were based on more his accuracy and, and his boxing ability more so than his power. I'm not saying he doesn't have power. They all have power. But Danny Garcia, I've seen, and it's not just his power. I think it's his timing with the shots too. I think he has a good understanding of timing with these shots. That's why when you hit, when he hit, like Maidana's probably a bigger puncher than all of them. And Amir Khan went the distance with Maidana. You know what I'm saying? And in fact, he almost stopped Maidana. And so, you know, everybody's talking about how, how weak of a chin Amir Khan has. But I just think it's the shots he got caught with. You know, look at look at Canelo. Look at Danny's shot. You know what I'm saying? Look at, look at um, um, uh, what the hell is the guy's name that he got stopped with? Um, I can't remember his name right now. But the first, the first time he's been stopped. You understand what I'm saying? I think a lot of these shots and a lot of these people's chins are questioned based on the times they've been hit. And I'm not saying that Danny's a puncher, a harder puncher than all those guys that we mentioned. I'm just saying his timing for it has been really, really good. Like when he lands his power shots, his timing has been good. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, definitely. But I just think since moving up from 140, I mean, his first fight was against Paulie Malinaji. He stopped him in nine rounds. Then he went the distance with Robert Guerrero. Then he stopped Samuel Vargas, who's a tough guy, to be honest. But, you know, he stopped him. Okay, whatever. Then he lost the very close one with Keith Furman. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a landslide. It was close. I think Furman did enough to win. Then he knocked out Brandon Rios, which, you know, doesn't say too yeah. much. Then he yeah. had the really close fight. Well, it wasn't really close, but he had the fight with Sean Porter. It was close early on. Um, then he knocked out Adrian Granados, and then in his last fight, he went the distance with Ivan Redcatch. So, I don't think he's had the yeah. most impressive run at one four seven. But I just think that Errol, for me, is too big, too strong, too active, too because uh, he's obviously a southpaw as well. Too um, yeah, that's, that's too too different. tricky, too powerful. I can't see anything that Danny has better than him. Maybe he's got slightly better timing. Maybe I don't know if I don't think Errol's got a bad chin at all. I don't think there's anything. No, no, no. That um, Danny no, can trouble him with, to be honest. Well, Danny's see, quite slow as well. I think he's very slow. Now, that, see, that's the thing. Timing beats speed. Now, I don't. I don't necessarily think he's super. He's overly fast or he's overly slow. I think he's, you know even pace with the with the punching speed. But what I mean about is when I'm looking at Earl and how he is invested in his offense. And I've always said that one thing about Earl Spence that always makes me kind of like, you know, is he's not the best defensive fighter because he doesn't really focus much on that part of it as, as much as he should. I feel like he, especially earlier in his career, he was basically defending just based off of just, you know, basically putting his hands up and taking a half step back, which is fine. But when shots would come, if, if put it this way, if we're in punching range and I'm getting almost hit all the time, not necessarily getting hit, but almost getting hit all the time, I don't have any kind of understanding of how to defend properly. Like if I'm standing in front of a guy, he can throw his whole, he can shoot his whole clip at me and he's probably going to come up empty. You understand what I'm saying? Well, hit me once. Other times, you know, you may get, you know, may get graze you. You may have a little bit of this, a little bit of that, touch you here and there. But it's not going to be anything like that. What I'm looking at, at uh, Earl is he he sometimes gets hit. 
And I mean, that's great that he can take it and he, you know, he's tough and he's there. And he's like, when I'm watching him fight Sean Porter and I'm like, he's taking shots, you know what I mean? And taking good shots. You know what I'm saying? Like with a guy like Danny Garcia, who is really good at timing his big shots and punching with you when sometimes you don't expect it. If he catches him in one of those situations, anything can happen. Maybe it, maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe it doesn't happen at all. But it, what if it does? Will he be okay? You know what I'm saying? Especially right after the car accident. You understand what I'm saying? Not right after it, but you know what I mean. And I know you're saying I don't really see anything that's going to trouble him. But I'm just looking at it as they're all we're all pros. And they're all pros and elite pros. At some point, if you make a, a mistake, one or two mistakes, nobody thought that Danny Garcia would beat Amir Khan. Look where he's at now. You understand what I'm saying? Any of these things, can, anything can happen. And I'm just, that's the only reason why I'm saying this is a dangerous fight. Yeah, I mean, look, for those Danny's two losses obviously were were um, were on points. You know, the, the Thurman one was close. It was a split decision. And, and the Porter one, um, you know, was, was still relatively close even though he lost. So if Errol is to do a, you know, make a statement, do a job on Danny Garcia, beat him really wide or stop him or something like that, Crash or no crash, that's a huge statement. I'll take that a hundred percent. Absolutely. Even though it's Absolutely. not even though it's not the fight I wanna see, because you know, I wanna see the Crawford fight like everyone else does, but yeah, right. I'm, I'm I'm okay with this fight, especially after the car crash, but um yeah, I'm okay with this fight. I'm not complaining, I'll be watching it, but um yeah, uh, you know, I I don't think he struggles with Danny, that's just my opinion. We we shall see. Go on. Let me ask. No, uh, if there was no car crash at all, and they announced this fight, would you still be excited about it, or are you like, ah? No, no, no. They they did announce it, and I think it's been pushed back because of the car crash. I think it was going to be happening. Well, no. oh, okay. Oh, okay. So, so no car crash or not, you would still say, oh, okay, well, this is an interesting fight, regardless. Yeah, I mean. I mean that play a part you know? no 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 because no. because again i think they had the fight made i think it was you know going to be happening in a matter of weeks and then he had the car crash and it got put off i believe that's what happened but yeah i wasn't overly looking forward to it when it first got made i thought oh you know it's it's a good name but i don't know danny at 147 you know, it's another small guy i want to see him in with a big guy i want to see him in with the best of the best i don't think danny is one i mean he's one of the best at 147 but he's not there's still, in my opinion, five or six guys that I pick above him. One of them is Sean Porter. He boxed him. No problem with that. That was a good fight. That was a great, great fight. It told us a lot about Errol Spence. But um, since the car crash, I don't think it's going to affect him. There's some people that watch his interviews and say, Oh, look, he doesn't seem the same. He's slur in his words. He's, oh, God, oh, what's he going to be like when he takes a punch? I, I don't know what they're seeing. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm watching it thinking... They're just, they're just looking for yeah, something. Yeah, like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, something. just, what's the point? Like, just, you know, what's the... Are you just... I don't know. I don't know. Whatever, man. People that are doing that, I, I just... <laughs> whatever. I haven't seen it. Maybe they've seen something I haven't seen. But for me, with, with the car crash, I don't think it's going to bother him. I don't think he's going to be, you know, the completely a completely different fighter. And to be honest with you... Even if he is somewhat affected, I still think he could beat Danny Garcia. In my honest opinion, man. No, I mean that, depends that's... how how affected he is. Obviously, I don't. I haven't got a clue, man. What he's been through, you know. I'm, I'm gonna say it like this: I think in this fight, whether he's been in a car crash or not, 
I still think the fight will be dangerous one way or the other, especially watching him against Sean Porter. And I'm not saying it because, you know, because the the guy who beats the guy can beat the guy. You understand what I'm saying? What I mean by that is it's all about styles and it's all about how you match up. Because, say, Sean Porter loses to Earl Spence. Earl Spence loses, can lose to Danny and then Sean Porter. You know what I mean? It's just like it, 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 this kind of cycle can happen. And, you know, just one day, one fighter can be good. And, you know, it's just, it's just that way. I, so it doesn't really matter. I think, Eddie, but I, I think that mm-hmm. the way to beat Errol Spence is you've got to be big enough and strong enough to push him back or but, stand with him and box with him and, and, yeah, and kind of stand center in the ring. I wouldn't say trade all the time, but be clever about your exchanges, like what Brooke did until he got his eye smashed in again. You know, that was right, a really good right. fight up until the late rounds. And there were times where... Brooke was, 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 you know, I wouldn't say controlling the fight completely, but he was winning rounds. It was comfortable. It was a great watch. But right. with Sean Porter, a guy that's, you know, he's, he's very strong. He's like a pit bull. He's coming forward. He's pushing uh, um, uh, Spence back for the first time in his career that I've seen. Danny's not going to do that. Danny's going to be the one in the retreat. I think, I think Danny's a good mix of both. You know what I'm saying? And I could tell you he's a lot stronger than you think. Yeah, but do you think he's going to do you think he's going to be no, the one no, pressing no. the action? I think he's going to be the one going no, backwards. No, 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 no. No, I don't know I don't know about him necessarily going backwards per se, but I don't think he's I don't think the fight's going to go like that like he's going to be trying to bully him or anything like that. I'm just I think I think he's going to be trying to catch him in between shots. I think he that just like he always fights. You know what I'm saying? I think he's going to do what he always does, but I think that particular thing, his timing, is was going to make the fight difficult at times for Spence. You know what I mean? Especially if Spence is going to the body, and when you go to the body, you know if you go to the body, you got to put your hands down to do it. When you put your hands down to go to the body, the timing could be there. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that, you know, if you put it on paper, Spence should dominate. But fights aren't fought on paper. Fights are fought in the ring. And when that happens, all these other little factors that play a part are involved in the fight. You understand what I'm saying? That's why I'm saying that this fight is just dangerous just on that front alone. Not even with the car crash. Of course, with the car crash, it adds a little bit to it. I just think the fight in itself is dangerous for Spence because of what Danny brings to the table and the kind of fighter he is. I'm not saying it because he's from Philly. I'm not saying it because I know him. And I'm saying it because of his style. That's it. Okay, well, there you have it. It was a longer debate than I thought it would be on that fight there. But you know, <laughs> if you want to watch the, uh, if you want to watch more action, <laughs> then tune in on Saturday night for that one. Of course, like I say, it's going to be on um, um, on. I'm not even sure. I think it's yeah. I think it's Fox pay per view out there actually. Um, it is? Yeah, I think it's Fox pay-per-view. So, uh, yeah, that's unfortunate, actually, that it's on pay-per-view. But hopefully they share it over here in the UK somehow. I think it's on Fight TV, actually. But anyways, that is the end of the preview part. We did Eddie's trivia question. We did the review part. We did the news. We had our sole guest on this week's show. And, um, yeah, like I say, lockdown, knockdown. We're definitely going to get it done at some point very, very soon. It's just been... It's been uh, difficult to kind of find the time for it, which sounds crazy because this podcast has gone on a lot longer than than I initially thought it would do. But anyway, that's it for everything. The final thing I just want to do here is just thank you once again, Eddie, for joining me 
And um, yeah, it's always great speaking with you, man. I run out of things to say when I get to this point because I've said everything a million times before. But thanks once again for this. Not a problem, man. You know how much I enjoy doing this too. And actually, it was a good back and forth debate, debate about the, these these interesting fights coming up, man. I just, you know, I, I enjoy this aspect of it. I mean, I haven't been active in the sport right now, and I haven't done commentary in a while. So it's nice to be able to do some of the things, you know, some of these things and and get a chance to go back and forth with you because you're really a knowledgeable person, Joey. You really do put a lot of effort into this. And I hope people, you know, understand and see that or not necessarily see it, but hear it. You know what I mean? Within the uh, podcast. So it's good stuff. Oh, nice words, man. I appreciate them. But listen, Eddie, always great speaking with you. Like I say, the final thing to do is just to sign out with the outro, which I'm going to do in just a few seconds time. Okay, and this wraps up episode 268 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our sole guest on this week's podcast, the former British, Commonwealth, and European welterweight champion, Mr. Sam Eggington. There's been no further news announced since recording the main part of the show, so that makes my job a bit easier. Um, but that's pretty much everything from myself. The biggest thanks, of course, of all goes out to you, the listeners. Thanks once again for listening in this week. Enjoy your weekends people, stay safe and we shall see you all again next week.